stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. I know that some of you are perhaps asking questions. Uh, how about this idea of the prophetic? What does it mean? I never heard of it. This is so new that Rick, uh, I'm just uh, wondering, where did you come up with something like that? Because the word prof- prophecy is in people's mind is directly connected to the work of the prophet. But in this sense, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10, prophecy has nothing to do with the prophet. One more time. Has nothing to do with the prophet. So how do you work that out and understand this unbelievable gift? I'm going to come up with phrases to describe in my own uh, very complex brain. Faith on steroids. Power in the vocal. Romans 4.17, calling things that be not as though they were. It's not name and claim it. It's, it's not name and claim it. It is a lifestyle of faith. Believing. So this morning I want to share with you the formation of this prophetic life. Because you see, if the power is in the tongue, then there's got to be some type of understanding in our minds on what Paul meant. In other words, somebody out there, help! Nobody says anything about this. And those of you in Africa, those of you uh, in China, especially in Brazil, I want you to know that this prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 10, has got to be one of the most powerful things a Christian can have in his toolbox to do discipleship. You know, in, in the Methodist church, they, they have something called spiritual formation. And I tell you this, it makes me... It makes me feel like somehow I'm a totally, completely out of proportion. I'm out of my mind to have anybody to form me or to tell me about spiritual formation when they had had no experience whatsoever with the Holy Spirit. They're wackos. Don't believe these people. If you are a Methodist, listen to me. Don't believe these people. Because they, they, they present Christ. Present the gospel without clothing. 
In other words, when you see an animal, you like to see the skin of the animal. They present an animal without the skin. It's an ugly thing. It's really fleshy. Really? Have you seen a dog without the skin? Take a look. Now, in Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, John is in the presence of God. And so he saw an angel, and he fell at the feet of the angel to worship him. And, uh, and the angel responded, See thou, do it not. Stop this. I am thy fellow servant, and your brother, and I have the testimony of Jesus. I'm your brother that have the testimony of Jesus. I'm your brother that have the testimony of Jesus. I'm your brother that have the testimony of Jesus. Meaning, we have had a relationship with Jesus. We know the ministry of Jesus. We have been exposed to the work of the cross. We have been exposed to the resurrection of Christ, to the ascension of Christ. We have been a Christian a long time. We believe in this. We know it in our hearts. And nobody is going to take it away from me. Worship God. The angel says to Apostle John in, in the Isle of Pathoms, in the 19th chapter of Revelation, verse 10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus, what Jesus has done, is the spirit of prophecy. Now the prophecy here is the same word that you find in 1 Corinthians 12. In other words, what he's saying is that the testimony of Jesus, when prophetically engulfed and put skin on it, is a spirit. Mm-mm. You're telling me that the Holy Spirit of God empowers the testimony of Jesus. Oh. Up, up, I, ow, ooh, hallelujah. So the power of the Holy Spirit of God, when it's about the testimony of Jesus, takes a form of power, energy, content, quality, and dynamite power. That is why people are saved, because the Word has power. The testimony has power. The question is this. Since Jesus... His testimony is propelled by the spirit of prophecy. Can we, ah, simple, mere Christians of the 21st century, uh, Methodist or ex-Methodist like me, can partake of the spirit of prophecy in my teaching, in my preaching, in my ministry? See, I, I, I'm trying to chew this up because I went to Atlanta yesterday and I ministered at Mount Bethel Church and... Uh, it was a wonderful experience to be there. John Walker went with me, Pastor John Walker, fabulous preacher, famous pulpit man in America. And so I, uh, I'm driving home, and John is just, you know, he is, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, moving from hour to hour, from lane to lane, and just dancing around 316 like he owned it. <laughs> and he says, "Hey, Rick." I can tell you something. They never heard of what you're trying to say. 
Now think about this. Think about this. You're telling me that you go to seminary for three years, pay $65,000, and nobody tell you what the power is behind the testimony of Jesus. Like my money back, please. Now let's take a look at this because you see, if this is something that you and I can partake of it and be a part of it, it can revolutionize your ministry. It can change the way you preach, the way you pray, the way you share the Word, the way you live. If the word testimony, if the word spirit of prophecy means anything, then it has to be used in discipling, in preaching, in ministry. The power of the gospel, the testimony of Jesus, it is what propels his spirit. Now let's take a look. There was a certain man in Ramatayim Zophim, 1 Samuel, verse 1, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elu, the son of Toru, the son of Zupa, and the Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Elkanah here is the father of Samuel, a Levite, in the order of Kohotites, who were responsible for the vessels of the sanctuary. The Hotites took care of anything that had to do with the handle. They handled every detail in the sanctuary of the Lord. The showbread, the shoebread, the altar of incense, and, the, and what is the candelabra you call, John? The menorah, the oil on the lamp, the menorah, the twelve lights, represented twelve tribes of Israel. And he had two wives. <laughs> that, that doesn't work anymore today. And the name of one was Hannah. And the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had no children. But Hannah... Peninnah had children. But Hannah... Peninnah had children. But Hannah had no children. And so this man Elkanah went up to the city early in the worship and sacrificed to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. He brought a sacrifice. He brought a, a little lamb or something uh, to offer unto God as a sacrifice for his sins. Because the tabernacle in those days was in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hapani and, and Penaphas, the priests, were there. There were two evil men, I, I want to tell you that. So the time came that Elkanah offered, he gave Peninnah his wife and all his sons in her daughter's portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shot her womb. And her adversary, Peninnah, provoked her sore to make her full of fear because the Lord had shot her womb. As he, Elkanah, did so year by year when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord 
So she, Penina, provoked her, therefore wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah to her husband, to her, Hannah, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? I am not better than you, than ten sons. You see, Elkanah loved Hannah. But because of the mouth of Peninnah, he quite didn't care about her. That speaks to women that somehow run their mouth about their blessings, disregarding those who are not blessed. It caused a lot of problem in marriage. So Hannah rose up after she, they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now the priest sat upon a seat on the post of the temple of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of her soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept. And she vowed a vow, she vowed a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid, and remember me, and not forget your handmaid, but to give unto you a handmaid, a man-child, then I will give unto him, the Lord, all the days of this child, and there shall be no razor come upon his head, Mean, I'll dedicate him as a Nazarite. God, if you give me a child, I'll give it to you. And it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Evidently, she was praying, but she could not be seen by Eli. But she saw, he saw her mouth. Now, we're getting to a point now where the story is going to shrink to nothing. And we get to the point we need to hear. Her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunk. And so Eli said unto her, How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. This really hurt Hannah. She was just in prayer and contrition, crying, pleading, God, give me a child, give me a child, God, oh God, give me a child. Lord, I, I, I'm tired of being ridiculed because you have shut my womb, God. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, talking to Eli, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. What is a sorrowful spirit? It's a spirit that hurts. A spirit that uh, feels sad. When you lose somebody, you mourn. And it's a sorrowful spirit. It hurts deep within the soul. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul to the Lord. Count not your handmaid for a daughter, a Belial, worthless. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hereto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. Now that's the point that I'm trying to bring after I read to you 17 verses here. At this particular point, the priest speaks out a prophetic word. It says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have asked of Him. Whatever spiritual condition which characterized Eli, still God used him to give Hannah this great word of prophecy. Her prayer had been heard after all these years. Now let's get to it a little bit. Let me just 
comment on it so you get some meat to take home. What is the story here means? Last night, a lady came to me with breast cancer. Just a sweet mother. I'm talking about, you know, a 60-year-old mother with sons as tall as the father. You know, six feet, three, six, four. And just this gentle man, and he's 65 or so, with gray hair, a nice little strong middle. And they came around me. I mean, I'm, in, I'm, I'm looking up to everybody. You know, I'm just a midget looking up way down there, you know. But suddenly came a voice in my spirit saying, I know you think you're short, but in my eyes you're tall enough. So stop comparing yourself to heights. I'm not in it. Say what you need to say and I'll, I'll confirm it. And so she put her hand on her breast and I put my finger and said, Cancer, you will not win against this woman of God for she is worthy and she will live so long without dentures. Now, well, you know, I'm just sitting down saying, take it back, take it back. Take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. Because, how can you tell somebody, how can you tell somebody that they're going to be so old, 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 is because when you are really old, you get dentures. Like 95, 96, 97. I haven't seen any 95, 97, 98 that don't have a bunch of parcels. That's my experience. And in that case, it was saying to that woman, this cancer will not win over your life because you're going to live a long time. Is the son-in-law of John Freeland. His parents, his mom and dad. In other words, the boy is married to one of the daughters of John Freeland. And so and so the testimony in the prophetic in this sense gave Hannah Samuel. But overcame everything. I know that Eli couldn't see Hannah. I know that Eli was totally out of context with what's happening. I know that Eli had no idea that she was actually praying in sorrow of spirit, just crying out before God. But 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 he he just he thought she was drinking. So 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 so, so Eli is just out of it. Just like last night, I'm just looking at the heights. Boy, you're tall. My goodness, that's a big middle. Oh, my goodness, that's a beautiful old 60, 50, 60 year old lady. And here's the boy. How you been? And I'm taken by the, the mountains before me. Suddenly, the Lord says, Get your job done and say what you need to do. And out of my mouth came, You will live until and you will not have to wear dentures. Meaning, when she's 95, she has her own teeth. Now, what does this say about the breast cancer? It's gone. So prophetic can take different forms. It can take prophetic teaching. It can take prophetic singing. It can, in other words, it is a vocal gift that edifies, builds, comforts, and encourages. I told you, 
that I went to a church, sat down up front, everybody's staring at me like I'm some type of blue lagoon coming out of some mountain earth and just walk in. And I'm saying, man, what did I do? They wouldn't talk to me. Like staring at me in that cold sweat. And I'm saying, I have to preach to these people. How about a guest? Mr. Bonfim, thank you. Welcome to our church. Sit down. How about a glass of water? Yeah, I've got a glass of water down there for the preacher this morning. Uh, folks, this is Mr. Bonfim. How are you doing, Mr. Bonfim? Not at all. So I went to the kitchen because I want to get a cup of coffee. He's not doing... And the guy in the kitchen said, Hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Sit down, boy. You want a cup of coffee, don't you? Oh, I tell you. That road down there, it's terrible. A cup of coffee takes all that dust out of your throat, you know, and makes you just relax, doesn't it? Sit down. Mary, give me a cup of coffee to the greatest preacher in the face of the earth. Sit down. Here you go. How you doing, brother? Now, that is a prophesying kitchen cook. And so, I want to say some things to you in order to encourage you. The key is this. Cooperate with the activity of the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to manufacture a false testimony. Cooperate with the move of the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to manufacture false testimony. So, let me give you then, to close, I have five, seven, ten minutes. But I, I worked that out. Ten keys for healthy prophetic life. Number one. Worship is the doorway to receive a revelation from God. It begins in worship. When you hear the music playing, get your foot square on the floor. Tell your phone to shut up. Tell everybody around you, I'm not here. Lift your hands up and say, I worship you, Lord, and I thank you, God. Bless my life. I praise you. In other words, some of you are so away from the reality of the presence of God that you mumble a prayer as if God can't hear. Vocalize it. Say, God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this situation that I'm in and worship this young man playing the guitar. God, I praise you. I give you glory, God. And you enter into worship. That will activate prophetic life. Number two. John 20, 1, 20. The disciples got together on the floor. And John came in and put his ear on the heart of Jesus. So he came in and put his ear right here. John 21, 20. You must lay your head at the breast of Jesus and listen to the rhythm of his heart. Create a relationship that supersedes age, lack of breakfast, lack of meal, sleep, tiredness, weariness. In other words, if you can't control the physical aspect of your body, then something's wrong. No, you know something? Every time I kneel to pray, I need to go to the bathroom. So I've been asking the Lord, you know, God, I'm sick and tired of this. You know, if I don't pray, no bathroom. 
But if I'm going to pray and put my ear at the heart of Jesus, the body will begin to say, Hello. Think about that. So number two, create a relationship that will not be interrupted by nothing. Number three, recognize the truth that I've been sharing with you. The words that you say are quickened by the spirit of prophecy. Quickened means to make a life. The message comes in many ways. The preacher, the hearing, the dreams, the vision, the verse of Scripture, the impressions, the visions, the dreams, all of that. But it doesn't come when you do not understand that the Holy Spirit quickens what you say. And so in order to make sure that you get through, number one, worship. Number two, put your ear to the heart of Jesus. And number three, say it, recognize it, own it. Number four, you prophesy according to the position of your faith. If you have no faith at all, You know, let me tell you how I began to tithe. People ask me, oh, Rick, you know, God really bless you financially because all your bills are paid. And, and I keep on giving this testimony to everybody. But when I was uh, at Madison First Methodist as the janitor, Rick Bonfim, the janitor. I mean, I'm trying to clean latrines everywhere. I used to tithe, but I wanted the Lord to know my envelope and my few dollars that I put in it. I want Him to know. So I saved some money. I'm a single guy. I saved some money, and I lived to a woman called Genevieve Howard on the way to, to, to Valdosta, Georgia, Highway 33, even before getting out of town, on the last one of the last houses before... Uh, where I worked. I worked in a rub factory of, what is those things that put on the motor, put on the tire? Hubcap factory. It sprays a chemical and runs, and, uh, and, suddenly, uh, and suddenly I sort of uh, uh, work on that store, on that factory, and... Uh, and so Genevieve Howard gave me a little bottle of perfume. I told her my problem. It was Chanel number no. five. Chanel, something like that, number no. five. And so I take the envelope, I put my five dollars in there, I close it and I spray the Chanel on it and put it on the plate. And I'm saying, God's going to smell it. I know he's going to smell my five dollars. I know he's going to smell my five dollars. I can feel it. How do you think? What do you think? You like it? Okay, it's your money. I'm just telling you. Months passed and a lady came to me and said, uh, uh, Rick, are you the one who's spraying perfume on that envelope? I said, did you smell it? She says, I did. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it's, uh, it's all over my office. Chanel number five. See, you prophesy according to the position of your faith. I put that money there because I want the Lord to have my ten cents out of my income. If you are not a tither, you don't have any money. You're broke all the time. 
Remember, P.O. Box 5188, Athens, Georgia. Send me a tithe. It'll bless your life. I'm not asking, I'm telling you. If you don't have any money, it's because you don't tithe. Faith activates the gift of prophecy. The words refer to a ratio. For instance, prophecy is to one person or to a hundred persons. The ratio here is very high. When you do to one, the Holy Spirit moves into a hundred people. It's very powerful. In other words, when you prophesy, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your words and moves into hundreds. I'm speaking to literally thousands of people right now all over the earth. Why is this happening? Because I'm a good speaker. No, because the prophecy that I say to edify, to comfort. I'm telling you to take the church some money and give to the preacher. Stop being hard-headed, boo-headed, and hard-fisted and stubborn. Give to the Lord what belongs to Him. So Paul in 1 Timothy 1.6 says, Stir the Spirit up. Steer the Spirit. Move your spirit. Matthew 7 says, Ask, seek, and knock. Do not be afraid or dormant. Stir the gift that is within you. Matthew 7, 9 says an interesting thing about this. If which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit good gifts to those that ask of Him. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And so prophecy, you need to get accustomed to, to, to use it, to speak forth, to wear it, to believe in it. Because when you do that, the words that you're saying are empowered by the Holy Spirit and are ministering to, to the people around you, to children, to your wife and to your family. Number six, speak always to bless the body of Christ. God's first commandment was to speak light to the body. Number seven, be totally focused on the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself what are you hearing? What are you hearing? As you begin to understand, God, I'm going to be talking or sharing about you. Talk to me, Lord. What are you going to hear? The voice you will hear will sound like you. The voice you hear will sound like you. Okay. Number eight. God will give you a sentence always beneficial to the body. A word. Use faith to release it. It's like this. And that's, that's the way I, I can explain. You know when you have a pullover on it, and there's a little line over here, a little, a little piece of thread hanging in here? You begin to pull it before too long. Oh, my gosh. I'm making a big hole in my sweater. Okay? And you begin to pull it. A string loses your sweater. You pull it, it comes out, it opens... In other words, open your mouth and release it. You don't have to say, thus says the Lord. You have to say, I want you to know 
that this is going to be a beautiful day and you are going to be blessed. Do you hear me? There's a girl at the bank that every time I go to make a deposit, I make a lot of deposits. Thank you, Mr. Bonsham. Have a wonderful day. She does that to everybody. And so, the last time she did, I said, in the name of Jesus, I give you not a wonderful day, but the most blessed day in your life. And I speak to you and your children and your grandfather, your grandmother, your mother and daddy, that you'll be able to be paid enough on this job to make money to go back to school. How do you know? How do you know that? How do you know that? Talk to me. I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was prophetic. Psalm 81.10, open your mouth and I will fill it. Lord, how long do I have? Oh, my goodness. Number nine, the manifestation to see, to behold, to gaze, to reveal is of the Holy Spirit to every man. And so it's, you're not just one. A lot, when, when, when this truth gets out, hundreds and thousands were doing this and being empowered to prophesy, to speak blessings and encouragement in the lives of people. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It, 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 it is of the Holy Spirit to every man. It's not just you. You're not alone on this. Now, let's go to number 10 so we can give you a little rest. Amen? Oh, at least these I have 12, 13, 14. Okay. Oh, my goodness, I have so much stuff. Let me stop right here because we run out of time. I love you. I speak to you today to encourage you. I want you to know that God will supply your need. He'll forgive your sin, bless you abundantly, and get back to work because He needs you in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Atribulado pela ação de Satanás Clamando no escuro Correndo 